Welcome to the Vagina Rehab Doctor podcast. This is for all women, vagina CEOs, even men, and all people everywhere who want to better understand vaginal health. Y'all, I'm preaching the vagina gospel and sharing the truth worldwide. Hallelujah! I'm Dr. Janelle Howell, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and your go-to resource for all things vaginal health, pelvic floor fitness, and sexual wellness. I'm teaching you everything your mama didn't about your vagina. Welcome back to another episode of the Vagina Rehab Doctor Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back again. I just want to say thank you for listening and liking and rating and all the things. If you have not yet subscribed and followed the show, go ahead and do so now. You can scroll to the top of this page, the top three buttons there. Follow the show to write five stars. Go to the bottom of the show notes or to the bottom of the, the main page for this podcast and you'll be able to write five stars star. So let's get into the episode. We're going to be talking about religion, faith, and sexual dysfunction. It is actually established that people who are religious, people who are conservative or grew up in conservative backgrounds and environments have higher rates of sexual dysfunction like sexual pain and inability to feel pleasure because they're feeling disconnected from their bodies or they're struggling with the shame of having sex of any kind, whether it is intercourse, whether that is manual touch to their own clitoris, whether that is oral sex, whatever it may be. And even within the context of marriage for religious communities, a lot of women and people struggle with their sex lives. Now, I see this most commonly in a condition called vaginismus. And if you're following me on Instagram, you know that I talk about vaginismus a lot. And that is because it creates such shame, secrecy, feelings of brokenness. A lot of my clients tell me that they don't feel feminine, but this can impact anyone. It Listen, if you have a vagina, this can impact you. So regardless of how you identify, regardless of your gender identity, regardless of your sexual orientation, you can still struggle with vaginismus. So vaginismus is when things can't get in your vagina. Now, I know some of us are like, oh, well, you're, if you're not in a sexual relationship, then this is not going to be impacting your life very much. False. We are supposed to get pelvic exams on a annual basis. We are supposed to be going to see our gynecologist literally every single year. And many of the times the doctor is going to use a speculum. And this is a device that's inserted into the vagina. It opens up fairly wide so that our gynecologist or the medical provider doing this exam can visualize the cervix and then possibly get a specimen or a piece of the tissue from the cervix to see if there is any disease forming. And HPV and cervical dysplasia, these are very common forms of disease that can impact us. And so these pelvic exams are very important in the primary way to prevent cervical cancer. No one should be dying of cervical cancer. If we can help it, no one should be dying of cervical cancer because it is preventative. And the most common thing that leads to cervical cancer is HPV. So if we are going to regularly get these exams and get these tests, these pelvic exams, cervical screenings, 
they're going to drastically decrease our chances of developing cervical cancer. Another way, aside from getting a cervical screening, getting a pap smear, getting a pelvic exam, is to have protective intercourse, have protective sex of all kinds, not just intercourse. You can get an STD from someone who is simply rubbing their parts on yours. It doesn't, nothing doesn't even have to be going inside. And even if you have a condom, even if you are using a condom, we can still get an STI from a sexual partner. That needs to be said way more because I think there's a misunderstanding that if we just use a condom, we can do anything we want and anyone we want and how many people we want in a day. Condoms do not protect you against all forms of STDs and STIs. There are several forms of STIs that can still be transmitted even if you use a condom because STIs can be transmitted simply from skin to skin contact. So it's important for you to make sure that you are getting your STI screenings, your sexual screenings to check for STIs, talk to your partner before engaging in sexual activity about their sexual health history. Think about, are you exposing your body to someone who you trust and you are giving consent to? Because sex is not a game. It is very serious. It's very serious. We're giving them access to our the inside of our bodies, the inside of our bodies, right? Our DNA. So it is very important to use protection, to be mindful of who you are engaging with, and to get those screenings, to go get your pap smear and HPV tests and all that. But when you have vaginismus, so back to vaginismus, that is going to be extremely difficult. I have clients who've told me that they've blacked out when they've gone to go get a pap smear from their gynecologist. They've blacked out or they're screaming to the top of their lungs or there's so much pain that they can't even get the exam done at all. And then they leave these exams feeling betrayed by their bodies. They leave these exams feeling broken. Many times they don't even tell anyone about it because there's so much shame. So we're going to be talking about vaginismus because it does impact millions of people worldwide. So vaginismus can make it difficult or impossible for you to insert a tampon. Maybe you have never been able to insert a tampon since you were a kid and you're not sexually active yet. So you're just avoiding tampons for now and you're not in a sexual relationship. You may need to go to your doctor and ask them to screen you for vaginismus. Or maybe you've tried to insert a finger to check your vaginal fluids or to just explore the vaginal canal and you can't get a finger inside, this could be a sign of vaginismus. Or you're having a lot of fear, pain, distress around vaginal insertion or around sex. These are signs of vaginismus and it is 100% curable. I cannot tell you how many clients I have helped in person and completely remote because I treat 100% remote now. And currently to date, to this date so far, all of the clients I've worked with virtually for vaginismus have completely overcome it. What I mean by that is they've come to me married for two, three, five years and have never had intercourse with their partners, with their husbands. The ones that I've worked with so far are married to men and they have not had intercourse with their husband when they first saw me. And we've worked together on average for about eight sessions. That's the average amount of time that I've needed. But as many as 12 sessions to help someone with vaginismus. And everyone who has finished a package with me, and everyone who has finished a package with me, meaning one-to-one consulting, vaginal health consulting, pelvic health consulting, they have overcome their vaginismus. They are having intercourse, many of them pain-free. And so it is curable, 
But one of the things that I've noticed among most of the women that I work with that have vaginismus is religion. Many of them have told me that they decided to wait until marriage. They grew up in an extremely conservative background. Many of them are either Muslim or Hindu religions and cultures in India. And then Christians, right? Catholics. That is the common denominator that I'm seeing. Now, you do not have to be religious to have vaginismus. So I want to hold space for that. There are so many contributing factors. But research is showing us that women and people with a vagina, all vagina CEOs, Okay, regardless of your sexual orientation and gender identity, your upbringing regarding how you think about sex, your religion can greatly impact your ability to engage in your sex life, your ability to be sexual with your partner, even when you're married, even when you're in this state where your religion tells you it's okay for you to have sex, a lot of people are still struggling to either get something inside, whether that's finger, tampon, toy, speculum, or penis, and to enjoy their sex lives. So this is what I truly believe as a Christian woman who believes in the Bible, believes in God. This is what I want to tell you as a healthcare provider, that your religion and your beliefs should not increase your risk for disease. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Your religion and your beliefs should not increase your risk for disease and pelvic floor dysfunction and sexual distress. What am I saying? I am saying that you can decide on when you want to engage in your sex life. You decide when you want to have sex for the first time. I will never tell someone to go out there and have sex. Do it when you are ready and when it aligns with your belief system. However, we have to get past this idea that all forms of clitoral touch are immoral because if we are not aware of whether something can go inside of the vagina. If we're not aware of if the hood of the clitoris even moves at all, because we've been avoiding it like it's some form of poison, we've been avoiding the vagina, avoiding the clitoris like it's some form of poison, then when it is time to explore that, to engage in that, whether you are in a relationship, marriage, etc., then you won't be surprised with dysfunction. Your marriage won't start off on this significantly distressing place because you can't have intercourse. Now you're feeling like you're the one to blame. You're feeling like you're ostracized from society. It greatly impacts one's marriage, one relationship, one's relationship with others and your mental health. So don't wait. This is my suggestion. You don't have to wait until you're married. If you are a religious person, I am here for that. I love that you have faith, right? You can keep your faith, but why do we have to act like certain parts of our bodies are evil and other parts of our bodies are fine? This is contributing to sexual aversions, vaginismus, sexual pain, and a difficulty feeling pleasure, even when you are in the place where your relationship aligns with your belief system. So can you check to see if even a finger can be inserted into the vagina? We need to distinguish between masturbation and self-assessment. The same way you check your boobies to see if there's a lump. The same way you brush your teeth and floss. This is self-maintenance. This is vaginal maintenance. Can you check? Can you check to see if a finger can be inserted into your vagina without pain? Now, if there is pressure or if there is tightness, that's different. But if you get to a place where you can't even get your finger inside or 
there is significant pain with that's going to set off a siren for you to know, oh, okay, I need to nourish my pelvic floor and go see my doctor. Consider seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. This is going to set off the siren for you so that when you do enter that sexual relationship and you are ready and you are doing it in full consciousness of your faith, you are your body is ready as well. Not just your mind, but your body is ready. Can we see if the clitoral hood is moving? The clitoral hood, if it is not moved on a regular basis, or if there's like an oily-like substance that can be made from the vulva, builds up between the clitoris and the clitoral hood, it can get adhered. If we're not cleaning ourselves, really all you need is water, but lift up the clitoral hood. You can use water to lightly dab and clean your clitoris. That can help maintain your clitoral function. But if we have avoided the clitoris for years and years and years and years and years, then we are increasing the likelihood that we may have difficulties with the clitoris. Clitoral atrophy is a condition in which the clitoris itself atrophies, shrinks, and sometimes even retracts behind the clitoral hood and the clitoral hood fuses over it. Now, there are a few things that increase our chances of clitoral atrophy, and I don't want to scare you. This episode is not about scaring you. It's about being real about how religion, how our faith is impacting our health. I do not believe that the God you serve or the religion that you have committed yourself to want you to experience disease and dysfunction because of your belief system. There is no religion that I know of that propagates disease or dysfunction. So we need to be distinguishing between masturbation and self-assessment, self-maintenance. There is a difference. There is a difference between what rubbing your nipples and trying to get yourself aroused which is one thing. And there's a difference between checking your boobs to see if there's a lump in your boob. And what I'm saying is there has to be a difference between masturbating and lusting and, oh, your mind is dirty and doing it to self-please yourself and self-assessment, vaginal self-assessment, vaginal maintenance and clitoral maintenance. Again, going back to clitoral atrophy, this is happening when There is insufficient blood flow reaching the clitoris. So let me just go through a few of the things that can increase our likelihood of clitoral atrophy. Menopause. When we're in menopause, we're not making the same amount of estrogen. Our clitoris depends on hormones, testosterone and estrogen. Those are the primary sex hormones that tell the body to send blood to the clitoris. Hormones are like chemical messengers. So they send out this message that says, send blood to the clitoris. She's probably going to be having sex tomorrow night right? She's probably going to be trying to get pregnant, send blood. Now, when we go into menopause, those messages are not getting sent as much because estrogen is not being produced in the same way. It's not being produced at the same levels. So then that is a contributing factor to clitoral atrophy. Another thing is prolonged use of birth control. Anyone who uses birth control is going to experience a decrease in clitoral volume. And this is not the same thing as clitoral atrophy. It just means that your clitoris may or may not be the same size. Because again, birth control, I'm talking about the birth control pill currently, that's going to level out the testosterone levels. You're not going to have as much circulating testosterone in your bloodstream while you're on the birth control pill. So again, that messenger that says send blood to the clitoris, that message is not getting sent as much. So the birth control pill can decrease the clitoral volume. But now I'm talking about prolonged use of the birth control pill. So if you've been on the pill for five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 15 years plus, and you're noticing that your clitoris is either extremely small, 
it has gotten smaller or it has atrophied or it has shrunk, then speak with your doctor about other options that you may want to consider. I want to let you know that this episode is not medical advice. I am not giving medical advice. I'm giving you information about faith, religion, and our sex lives, right? I'm giving you information and education. So if you want to be diagnosed, if you want treatment, you need to go see a medical provider. But regarding clitoral atrophy, we talked about menopause. So that's one thing that can contribute to clitoral atrophy. And then the birth control pill and the prolonged use of it can contribute to clitoral atrophy. Another one is prolonged sexual inactivity. When we're sexually active, we get aroused. Arousal is just a lot of blood rushing to the genitals, a lot of blood coming to that area to help us get erect. So the clitoris gets hard, the penis gets hard. It helps us to lubricate. It helps us to feel those different neural hormones like oxytocin and dopamine, and it enables us to reach an orgasm. It helps with that. So when we are not sexually active, there's not the same level of blood coming to the clitoris, coming to the vagina, or coming to the penis. And this can contribute over time. So if we're sexually inactive for a long period of time, we're not getting sexual arousal, then that can contribute to a decrease in blood flow to the clitoris. But there are other forms to maintain blood flow to the clitoris. Exercise, eating certain foods that are high in nitric oxide, like beets and spinach and these type of things. That can help to dilate the blood vessels, which is going to open the blood vessels that live in and near your clitoris, around and near your clitoris. That's going to help push more blood. But then also touching the clitoris. It is a body part. So if you stop moving your hand and you just keep your hand in a fist for years and years and you never open it up, so you're not moving your fingers, you're not stretching your hand, you're not moving your wrist, you're going to have a decreased amount of blood flow that's getting to your joints, the skin in your hand, the muscles, the tendons. And your hand can very well get stiff, atrophy, meaning the muscles are going to disappear. They're going to get smaller and you could develop pain and so forth. So there's really no body part that maintains its integrity via disuse. There's no body part that maintains its integrity and its health when we do not use it. That is how health is maintained, right? We learned this from physics. An object in motion stays in motion if you keep moving it. I'm remixing it, but you get it. So there needs to be a distinction between masturbation and clitoral touch. There needs to be a distinguishing line between vaginal assessment, self-assessment, to see if there's pain, to see if you can get the finger inside, and masturbation. I think there should be two separate topics. Some people are fine with masturbation because their belief system tells them that's well and okay. And then we have people over to the left who do not believe in masturbation. And if you don't believe in it, okay. But in terms of health, we need to accept the facts and the data are telling us that people who are religious and are avoiding body parts for years, not touching them at all, not checking to see if they're working properly. We're having a difficult time accessing our sex lives freely. We're having a difficult time with vaginal insertion, vaginismus, sexual aversions, inability to orgasm and experience pleasure is higher. So no, you don't have to give up your faith. You don't have to give up on God. But we do need to understand that religion should not be your ticket to dysfunction and disease. I'm going to speak for myself. My religion is not a ticket to disease and dysfunction. So we have to think about that. Why have we believed that simply touch? I'm, I'm Again, I'm not talking about self-pleasure currently for this episode. It's not about masturbation. It is about touch. 
or massage, whatever you want to call it. If I massage my leg, if I massage my neck, it's okay. If I massage my vulva, it's not. And it is a body part that requires blood flow, it requires touch, it requires nutrients, and touch and stimulation is the path to that. So this is a an episode to get your wheels turning. I want to hold space for those of you who are not comfortable with this topic. I do understand that it is a touchy subject, right? And I want you to respect your belief system. I want you to honor your morals, but I do want us to honor our health as well and to hold space for wellness to hold space for our bodies, our entire bodies, not just our legs and our arms, but our pelvis and our vagina and our clitoris. I want us to hold space for that. I know for me, I believe that God created the body. And so for me, I can only speak for myself. It wouldn't make sense for me to think that God wants me to avoid touch and avoid health practices that can help maintain the body he has created. And to help maintain my sexuality when it is the it is the vehicle to the population of the earth. It is a beautiful thing. And so there is a way to honor your belief system and honor your pelvic and vaginal health. There is a way to honor your religion and honor your clitoris. The clitoris is please don't forget about me. <laughs> for clitoral atrophy, it is there are treatment methods available, but you would need to go see your doctor for that. A lot of times they may prescribe hormonal creams, like topical creams that can be applied to the vulva to help replenish the blood flow. There are other methods of treatment. So again, you need to go see someone, a medical doctor, a gynecologist. There are even vulvar specialists that focus on clitoral atrophy and clitoral fusion and those sorts of things. Lichen sclerosis is a condition that can create inflammation around the genitals, and that can also contribute to clitoral atrophy. And there is treatment for that. And there's pelvic floor physical therapy that can help with that as well. So I just want to let you all know that you can access health, your faith, and your sexual health as well. Sexual health is health. And sometimes we undervalue it. We act like it's this little dirty thing in the corner. But it is very important. It can impact your relationships, your mental health, your marriages, your future, your fertility, all of that. So I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you learned something new, if you got any value, I'm just going to ask you to please rate this podcast five stars. Go to the show page, scroll to the bottom, rate this podcast five stars. And if you want to keep hearing from me, leave me a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back again next Monday.